Alright, we're going to try this and see how it goes. Happy January 15th, Gamecock fans. J.C. Sherbert here with you, and uh, this is Inside the Gamecocks Daily. We are going to uh, try this format for a little bit with the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Those of you that listened to me on uh, the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast previously, remember the daily report uh, that was pretty popular, had had some requests um, to bring that back kind of in this style. And uh, you, you don't have to be a patron to listen to it. Uh, it it's really just going to be me and sort of a daily monologue, roundup, kind of that type of thing uh, about all things Gamecocks, you know. Uh, and we'll have John Whittle probably on here to talk a little basketball and baseball from time to time. Um, obviously, we'll get some other guests and interviews from time to time. But basically, it's going to be me, I think. Uh, you know, you look at some of the other podcasts in the market, Keith uh, in particular and uh, he's got a lot of good guests lined up and certainly you know that's good that's that format and sort of after letting everything fall into place uh, I came to the decision probably about around the end of December that this is kind of what we're going to do here going to have a smaller daily episode for you uh, with me Monday through Friday hopefully Uh, maybe sometimes four days a week I can't promise that uh, there won't be a day where I'll be under the weather or have something else to do, and we may miss a day or so, but I'm going to try to get this out. Also, the big show. Um, Won't call it the big show, but we'll have the full episode with Tony and myself every Wednesday, and so we're kind of going to do that later this afternoon. Uh, Tony Morello and myself with the uh, big Inside the Gamecocks podcast, but this will be out uh, in the morning, uh, hopefully Somewhat early, uh, maybe not though. But uh, you know, you're looking at like one show a day uh, with the daily, and then uh, two shows on Wednesday uh, with myself and Tony Morell. Um, so we hope this will go well. Lots going on. Uh, lots has has, has happened. Um, I guess since the last Inside the Game Guys podcast, Tony and I are going to get in that this afternoon uh, with Mike Bobo, the recruiting class, all that good stuff. Um, new offensive staff members, Joe Cox, who I covered as a recruit, which means I'm getting old, uh, is back uh, as a full-time assistant, going to coach the tight ends. Bobby Bentley moving over to assist with the quarterbacks. Uh, and then Bobo, you got – then you have Eric Wolford and Brian McClendon still on the staff to kind of round things out along with Thomas Brown, the running backs coach. Uh, so that was interesting. Coleman Hutzler leaves to go to Texas and uh Hutzler's interesting because I I know some of the fans criticized him a bit um I thought the guy when he was at South Carolina four years the four years he was with the Gamecocks I thought number one South Carolina's special teams improved I think that's a function of recruiting I think that those of you that have followed the program for a while there there weren't a lot of big returns in the kicking game like that was something uh, previously, even during the Spurrier era, the Gamecocks were susceptible to. Uh, you know, part of that has to do with the new kickoff rules um, with kickoffs, but then the punting was pretty good. Gamecocks had, have had pretty good kickers. Uh, you know, of course, Debo Samuel did a great job uh, returning kicks. Uh, they weren't perfect, and there were some breakdowns in, uh, in the, that area at times, but uh, for the most part, pretty solid. I thought he did a great job. Overall, considering, um, you know, at linebacker, I, I do think that the Gamecocks linebackers had a rough 2018. 
I think a lot of that had to do with the youth and inexperience by the end of the year uh, in the secondary and on the defensive line. But I also think that a lot of times the guys just didn't play well. And then you look at this year, you know, I think Ernest Jones had a really good season to be a first-year starter at Mike Linebacker. I think T.J. Brunson came on at times. I think Sherrod Green probably improved as much as any player on the team. And, you know, that's coaching. So uh, I think there's a reason Tom Herman and Texas liked Coleman Hutzler. Uh, I think that, you know, he's a high-energy guy, young guy, interviewed well, really smart. Um, and I think he's a good fit in Austin, Texas, and at Texas. I also think this. I think he's a better fit there than maybe at South Carolina. Um, and I'm looking at it strictly from a recruiting standpoint. You know, sometimes it, it's where you're recruiting as far as can you relate to guys and things like that. And Hutzler did a pretty good job recruiting at South Carolina. I mean, the linebackers um, are fine. I think, in terms of the guys they have on campus. Other coaches kind of helped him with some of those guys. Uh, but but I think maybe to a kid from the Dallas suburbs uh, or a kid um, from California where Texas goes and recruits, I, I think maybe Coleman Huntsler will be that much more effective than maybe a kid from South Georgia or rural North Carolina or even the Atlanta area, to be quite honest with you. Um, and, and so – I think it's a good fit, and and I think this is one of those times where, you know, you'll probably look back and say, well, Coleman Hutzler's having a lot of success here, there, and yonder. Um, you know, why weren't we all fired up about it at South Carolina? Well, sometimes it's where you're at. Uh, and I think watching the game Monday night <laughs> and you saw Ed Orgeron lead LSU to a national championship, sometimes it's where you're at. Um I do think Ed Orgeron has improved as a coach and has and has two fantastic coordinators. I mean, whether or not it's Insminger or Brady, obviously Brady brought a lot to the table. Um, you know, that's one thing. Uh, on offense, you know, he finally made the right move. But, you know, defensively, Dave Aranda is coordinating their defense, and that's, uh, that's about as good as it gets. So, you know, that just kind of shows you sometimes some guy, but people will have success one place and not another. I mean, and that says nothing about South Carolina, and you can't have success at South Carolina. You know, I talked about Ole Miss. Well, you know, Orgeron went 10-25 and 25 there. I think Hugh Freeze went 39-21. and 21. I don't have that information right in front of me because – uh, the Wikipedias of the world, they, they want to follow the letter of the law and vacate all his wins, which, you know, they were vacated. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, I, I, <laughs> I'm not going to act like the guy didn't win 39 games and lose 21. And I'm estimating on that. You know, I think that's a stupid punishment anyway. The game was played. Let's just vacate those wins and pretend like they didn't happen. Well, in 100 years, you know, you'll look back and go, oh, well, that was his record, but right now, you know, you're not fooling anybody. But, you know, Hugh Freeze was able to go in as, a, as an Orgeron assistant, a former Orgeron assistant when he replaced Houston Nutt. And Hugh Freeze did a lot better job than Coach O at Ole Miss because Hugh Freeze was a better fit at Ole Miss than Coach O. Coach O was a better fit at LSU. So it's just a lot of times coaching fits and things like that, it's where you're at. Um and it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, 
you're going to do better automatically if you're at a quote-unquote name program. Um, it just kind of depends on who you are. You know, some folks do better at, at, at lesser programs. Uh, Rich Rodriguez, I think, was an example of that. You look at it at West Virginia, he almost won a national championship there. Had it not been for a crazy loss to Pitt in 2007, he may have. Goes to Michigan, is awful, and then went to Arizona, and that's a tough job, as we all know, um, and wins the Pac-12 South. Now, he got fired for some stuff that, you know, wasn't really related to football. But, you know, there's a guy that did significantly better at West Virginia and Arizona than he did at Michigan, which is one of the historically best programs in the country. You know, so it's just – it's one of those things where fit is everything as far as coaching. And, and I think Coleman Huntsler is a better fit at Texas than he is at South Carolina. Um, you know, it doesn't mean he did a bad job. It just means, I think, just knowing who he is and what he's all about, I think that – out there, you, you'll probably see a guy have, you know, some success. Now, that being said, Tom Herman went eight and five this past year. <laughs> he had to retool the staff. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not putting him on the hot seat, but you know, his results so far at Texas have not been probably to their liking. He's done better than Charlie Strong did, but. You know, I I don't know. You know, it's kind of a lot like latter year Mac Brown, where it's kind of that eight to ten range. Um, I believe in Tom Herman. I think Tom Herman's a heck of a coach, but you know they're going to have to kind of they're going to have to have a breakthrough at some point. You know, and not trying to get impatient or anything here. I think it was year three, so you know we'll see what happens uh, with Herman at Texas moving forward with Coleman Hutzler and some other guys on his staff. You know, we'll, we'll kind of see how that all evolves out in Austin. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch. You know, closer to home, how will Will Muschamp replace Coleman Hutzler? I don't know. You know, there, there's – with it being the special teams coordinator leaving, I mean, so the question becomes because you, you kind of think, well, you know, he'll maybe move Kyle Krantz back onto the field. And, and that could happen. But – is Kyle Krantz ready to be your special teams coordinator would be the question. If not, do you give that job to Mike Peterson? Um, is there an internal candidate? Uh, or do you go outside and hire a special teams guy that can also coach linebackers? Or maybe he can coach D-line or, or you know, you have, you have kind of some flexibility there because, you know, if, if you hire a, a, a special teams coach that doesn't coach linebackers, uh, you can slide Peterson there. Let's say he's a D-line guy, and, uh, you know, you can D-line special teams, you know, whatever. You could even do the secondary. Um, Muschamp could slide down to coach linebackers. There's a lot of uh, options there. Uh, I think that if if they want to uh, – if they don't want to move Krantz back on the field, uh, I think that the idea would be to go get probably the best – combination of a recruiter and special teams guy that you can get um, to come in and, and, and make things happen. I, I, you know, Do you need a guru on special teams that's just going to sit there and coach teams and they call it teams sometimes uh, and uh, not recruit? Like, you know, some guys? No. I, I, I don't think you got I think you got to go 
with a guy that can definitely recruit um, unless you just get a guru. So we'll see what happens. A lot of names out there uh, circulating. Uh, you know, you have Blake Gideon over at Ole Miss who has some uh, ties to Muschamp. Uh, so you got him out there. You got some other guys too. Some people mentioned Shane Beamer. I, you know, unless it's like a big title, like assistant head coach and special teams coordinator, I can't. I couldn't see him leaving Oklahoma for South Carolina in that capacity. Um, and plus, we've all read that Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech is heavily in the mix for the Baylor job. And if he bolts, I think Shane will probably be in the mix for that Hokies position at his alma mater. Now, I've been told that if it ever came down to take Virginia Tech or take South Carolina, he'd actually prefer to be at South Carolina as the head coach. But you can't turn down the Virginia Tech job uh, if you're sitting there as the assistant head coach at Oklahoma. I mean, that's Virginia Tech is a hell of a job. I mean, you know, you're in a weak division that does not have a dominant team. Uh, you have been the big dog in that division. Uh, you get you have a better home field advantage than most of the teams in that division. Um, you know you do have North Carolina resurgent. Uh, you do have an improved Virginia to deal with in state. I think down the road Georgia Tech's going to be pretty good under Jeff Collins. They just have to retool. Um, you know, so that that Virginia Tech job though I think is fantastic. I forgot to mention Pitt. I think Pitt's kind of an outlier in that division that you always got to be. Uh, aware of so you know i i wouldn't think that it would be shane i I just don't right that's just one of those things there um so it'll be interesting to track on the bigspur.com and elsewhere uh who replaces coleman hutzler uh as the gamecocks assistant coach on the on the gridiron there is basketball tonight um disappointed uh, is the best way to describe, you know, how the last couple of weeks of the basketball season have gone. Uh, obviously, you hadn't heard from me here on this format about the Stetson loss. I thought that was inexcusable. Um, I think a lot of people are to blame for it. Frank Martin, the players, whoever. You know, you get a situation where you're eight and four. You, you, you lost an inexcusable game to Boston U earlier. You get some momentum. Uh, I think that, you know, when you look at the fact Clemson snapped its losing streak in Chapel Hill and then turned around and beat Duke, that's not a bad basketball team. You go on the road and you beat them by 13, and then you go on the road and beat Virginia by 11, another team that's not that bad. Not bad at all. Actually, they're pretty good. Two double-digit wins on the road against ACC teams, and then you turn around and lose to Stetson. Um, In lifeless nothingness, I mean, it was just bad. You know, Stetson's not a good basketball team. And you lose that game, uh, which is very, very costly. And you don't lose to Stetson. I think the 0-2 start in the league is understandable. Florida's very good, although this team, again, that game lacked a killer instinct, I thought. Uh, and then you go on the road and you lose at Tennessee by a point in an in ugly basketball game. I did think there were some positives there, especially defensively for the Gamecocks. Um, but at the end of the game, you know, you can't just run over the guy if you're A.J. Lawson. I mean, that's just kind of par for the course there. You know, going down to Knoxville 56-55, 
and you start to look, and, and it's just you know the net ranking, which is what everything's based on, is one twenty five right now. Uh, that's low, and there's not a whole lot you know left in terms of surefire. You know what they call Q one wins at home. Um, there are quite a few on the road, but you know the SEC teams overall are not you know ranking extremely high. So tonight's important. Kentucky's a good basketball team, like they always are, uh, and you don't want to go zero and three. The other problem is the net ranking, uh, more so than the RPI, weighs winning percentage. That's why these losses to the Boston Universities of the world and the Stetsons of the world. You know, you'd be sitting there at ten and five instead of eight and seven right now, um, and you know you still have some hope. And I do think there's a scenario where this team can turn it, and all of a sudden the guys look like they're having fun again. I mean, it happened last year. You know, they turned it around and started playing together and uh, got it going. But you know, this basketball team, this basketball program needs something good to happen. Uh, Hopefully it starts tonight. I mean, I have my doubts. It's Kentucky. But uh, hopefully it does start tonight. But you could also see a scenario where the the wheels come off. As disappointed as I was and as inexcusable as a 4-8 and record in football was this year, in my opinion, I am ten times as disappointed in the basketball team. You know, unlike football, they didn't have injuries to deal with. You know, unlike football, you know – Football should never lose to App State at home. Uh, and they probably – there's a good theory that they shouldn't have lost to North Carolina in the opener. But this is the second straight year basketball has lost to teams they have no business losing to. And last year taught us that, hey, that can cost you. That can cost you down the stretch because it's it's about metrics and, you know, that net ranking and stuff like that. And – you know, you can you can turn it around, and you can go eleven and seven in the conference yet again, and you can argue to your blue in the face that you deserve to be in under that scenario and all that. But you know, when they're weighing your resume against a team that didn't lose at home to Stetson and Boston, you you know that's going to play a factor, and um, that that's what they're up against. I mean, they're going to have to put together a really really good run. Um. And it's not getting any easier, you know, here in the conference. I think Auburn's coming up. And, um, you know, it it does get a little easier than it is right now. But uh, they need something good to happen tonight. You know, A.J. Lawson um, needs to step it up. I think some other guys need to step it up, make better decisions on the court, you know, play a little better. Like I said, I thought that the way they played D against Tennessee – you know, particularly in the second half, I mean, they really affected the way Tennessee was trying to run offense. I, yeah, I think that's positive. But, you know, when you can't really make much happen on the other end of the court, um, you know, it's still going to be hard to win. So we'll see what happens tonight. Tip-off is at 630 SEC Network. My good friend and the co-host of the J.C. and Morgan College Football Podcast, Mike Morgan. And we just dropped a new episode of that, so go check that out if you love college football. Um, he'll be calling the game with John Sunbold, so that that that's always good for Mike to come back to Columbia and you know call a game Cox game. He also called the game Saturday in Knoxville, so 
back-to-back Gamecock games for my boy, Mike Morgan. You can follow him at on Twitter, at Morgan on Air. Uh, it's a really good follow. And you know, like I said, if you love general college football talk, uh, be sure to tune in to the J.C. and Morgan College Football Podcast. Um, Henry Parrish. Uh, this is a guy that uh, allegedly, and it's a South Florida guy, so sometimes you get fuzzy with the announcement dates and stuff like that. Uh, running back from Miami Columbus, four-star guy. Gamecocks are trending with him, I would say. Uh, his, his recruitment hasn't been – like some people would say, oh, it's all over the map. I don't, I don't know that it's been all over the map. I think he's just one of those guys doesn't do a lot of interviews. Um, you know, you don't really know where he's going to end up. Uh, I know he's been on South Carolina's board for a while. The Gamecocks were an early offer to him after he committed to Pittsburgh. Uh, some other schools maybe have come in and come out. Uh, I think Ole Miss is a team that. You know, is trying to get him. You know, Lane Kiffin had a a uh, relationship with him when he was at FAU. I, I like this kid. I, I, you know, the more I watch him, you know, the, the first, when you first heard about the offer, you know, he's five ten, one eighty five, or whatever. That's what he's listed at. Ran four six seven. You know, you're sitting there going, "Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about this." But this is one of those guys that just has natural football talent. You know, you watch him run. And you don't really see those numbers or measurables uh, when he's running. (laughs) He accelerates well. Nobody catches him in the open field. He can make you miss in a phone booth. Um, So so I think he's just a natural runner of the football. And then you start talking about adding him to Rashad Amos and uh, Marshawn Lloyd, and that's a pretty good set of backs. I mean, one would think this year that – you probably have Parrish and Lloyd play. Um, although, if Amos is better, then Amos will play. But my point is, I think you would redshirt one of them. I would think one of those guys would redshirt just to have some staggering. Uh, and then next year, you know, you got Teon Evans possibly coming back from Juco, the kid from Hartsville who's really, really good. And then you got some uh, other guys that they're in on, including some other guys from South Florida that Thomas Brown is recruiting. So I uh, I tend to believe that, you know, the running back situation at Carolina is not going not gonna to take a dip. And if these guys can stay healthy, uh, they're potentially going to be a lot better than what they had. Uh, but health, obviously, this position is key. And you always need more than one. I mean, you can't expect Marshawn Lloyd to come in and carry it 30 times a game. That's just not how – you win in football these days. It's too physical, especially in the SEC. Guys get worn down, that kind of thing. So we'll see kind of what happens with that. I I, I would think that would be a huge pickup for the Gamecocks, Henry Parrish. Um, and then you got Jakari Caldwell, the wide receiver from Northwestern that's still on the board. And then you know, who knows who else they may pick up um, and who knows what they'll do with the, in the grad transfer slash transfer market. This cycle, um, you know, I think they've shown they're open to taking guys. Uh, already got two transfers from Colorado State, where Mike Bobo was, and quarterback Colin Hill. Saw him play at Dorman, was impressed, thought he was a guy that could go somewhere other than Colorado, bigger than Colorado State, and be successful with development. Um, has had some injury issues, so 
you know, we'll see kind of what uh, what transpires with him. And then Adam Prentice, a fullback, a uh, kid from the state of California who, you know, I think Mike Bobo really likes him as far as a, a utility guy. Um, you're going to run Mike Bobo's offense. You need some Mike Bobo guys. I, I think this is a Mike Bobo guy. Uh, not to say there's not other fullback options uh, on the roster, but uh, our guys that can play, you know, a hybrid type of position. But uh, it's just good to get the guy in um, and have him at South Carolina, you know, as they try to build the offense. But Henry Parrish, to me, uh, that would just be like icing on the cake. And when you sign Marshawn Lloyd and you can also sign a Henry Parrish in the same class, uh, and then a Rashad Amos for that matter, I mean, that kid's pretty good. Uh, I think that's saying something uh, about the way you can recruit, especially coming off a 4-8 record. You know, I, as surprised as I was that the Gamecocks went 4-8 this year, I was equally surprised they suffered no decommitments. They held the class intact, and they ended up signing Jordan Birch. Well, they have Sorry, they haven't signed Jordan Birch yet. But getting Jordan Birch at the end of the first leg of the cycle, uh, you know, so then you're talking about, Uh, Getting a four-star, five-star running back, Marshawn Lloyd out of D.C., and then a four-star running back out of South Florida. Um, That was a position of need. Um, You know, you got a pretty good receiving group. I I think Rico Powers is going to be pretty good. I think Jakari Caldwell, if they get him from Northwestern, will be pretty good. By the way, speaking of Northwestern wide receivers, Cordero Patterson made the Pro Bowl this year as a returner for the Chicago Bears. So uh, hats off to him. I know he went to Tennessee, but, uh, you know, that's a guy that was really, really good coming out of high school. Grades were a big issue. Um, It's good to see a guy like that make it, make good for himself from the state of South Carolina. Uh, Gamecocks, I don't think, even really recruited him all that hard out of JUCO. Um, And and, and he he wasn't a guy that was like this big, skilled receiver. And Spurrier really liked guys that could actually, you know, catch consistently and things like that. What he was was a big, fast guy that could return kicks. Uh, and that's basically what he does for the Bears. They, he's, his speed and size is freakish. So, anyway, hats off to Cordero Patterson. But back to Jakari Caldwell. You know, I, I think you get him in the boat. That's another in-state guy. Um, that gives you another guy to work with that's got some, some pretty good talent to go along with Rico Powers uh, and the rest. So, Henry Parrish, look for that uh, announcement to come soon. I like the Gamecocks' chances. Uh, I think people that I talk to like the Gamecocks' chances. But you have to be careful with, uh, you know, South Florida as far as crystal balls and things like that because you just don't know. You know, this is it's uh, I've been covering recruiting a long time, and that's one of those things where you gotta you got to slow your roll a little bit as far as uh, – you know, I guess definites. How do yeah, I put that? If it's definites or not. All right. So Tony and I will be back later this afternoon with the full Inside the Gamecocks hour long podcast where we talk football. Um, look for this daily. Like I said, uh, not going to over promise and under deliver. I'm, I'm going to shoot for, you know, four or five days a week where you get this kind of monologue style thing. You're know, going to have a few guests to talk about the other sports. You know, Tony and I will be there with a big football breakdown um, every week, every Wednesday, uh, and we hope you enjoy it. It's uh, 
absolutely free to subscribe. You can subscribe on iTunes. Uh, I believe we're also on Spotify. Uh, there are links on thebigspur.com and 24-7 Sports to, to kind of give you all that information to where you can get in here and listen to me every day and listen to me and Tony on Wednesdays and maybe a few other things. Uh, don't want to get ahead of myself there, though. All right, Inside the Gamecocks Daily has wrapped, and uh, looking forward to getting with you guys later today with Tony and Alan, the big show. we got a Connor Shaw press conference here coming up directly. Um, he's the new director of player development, replacing Marcus Lattimore. So uh, looking forward to hearing what Connor has to say, and uh, we'll holler at you soon. Have a great day.